Hello and welcome to the St. James Podcast. My name is Mike and I'm the priest at St. James Church in Dundas. I want to thank you for taking these just 10 minutes out of your week to reflect on one of the stories of Jesus that we read in church. I hope you might find in these stories some inspiration or understanding or maybe some encouragement or comfort for your own journey of faith. I know that encouragement is really important in these long days, weeks and months of our pandemic. Uh, So if nothing else today, I hope you can take a moment to connect with things that bring you comfort and strength, be it the people you share life with or with good memories that you treasure and hopes for the future. Whatever it is that keeps you going and you draw strength from, uh, I hope you can spend some time with it today. I think that faith is meant to be a source of comfort and strength, as well as challenge and transformation. And this week we keep a feast day called the Transfiguration, which recalls one very particular event in the Gospels. So without further ado, let's turn to that story. Now if you're reading along, you're going to find the story in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9. Or, as always, I invite you to take some deep breaths, to relax, to clear your mind, and focus on the reading of the story, just to let it come to life in your head as if you were experiencing it there, firsthand. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them any more, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. I think that one of the attractions of this story is that it begs for Hollywood-style special effects, at least in my head. Jesus goes up a mountain and is overwhelmed with heavenly light that is blinding. Mythical figures appear with him. There are clouds and a voice from God which might whisper or boom, depending on how you imagine this scene. Really putting yourself into the sensory experience of this story is exhilarating. And we can imagine this event for the disciples being a frightening or awe-inspiring, adrenaline-pumping, wondrous, beautiful. Certainly, I think that part of the value of this story and this passage is quite simply this heavenly spectacular. It's a reminder or moment of revelation for the disciples that beyond the ordinary everyday man called Jesus with whom they travel and eat and learn and serve and laugh and listen to is the revelation of heaven on earth. 
Now, this short story itself is just full of clues as to its import, starting in those very first words with the reference to six days. That's a reminder of the six days of creation and the creation of human beings upon the sixth day. Human beings as God intended humanity to be. No mistake then that this image of Jesus on the sixth day shows a human being revealing the wonder of God touching earth. Elsewhere in the New Testament, St. Paul will refer to Jesus as the new Adam, giving us the idea that Jesus shows humanity as God hoped we might be and become. And centuries later, St. Irenaeus, in one of his sermons, will refer to Jesus as teaching us that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. In this transfiguration story, the wonder of humanity is given a heavenly revelation when Jesus is revealed to be God on earth. No mistake, too, that this event takes place on a mountain. That's a traditional symbolic meeting place for human beings with God. And notably, as we think back into the Old Testament, Moses waits six days up on the mountain to meet with God and receive the law. So it's pointed then that Moses is now going to make an appearance. In the midst of this heavenly light show, two figures appear, and they are identified as Moses and Elijah. How we know that's who they were, we don't know, but uh, that's what we're told. Both these figures are key figures in Jewish thought and tradition. Moses representing the law received from God on Mount Sinai, which is the basis of the covenant between God and God's people. And Elijah representing the prophetic tradition, how God talks to or guides, challenges and calls back his people. Together they sum up an image of traditional Jewish wisdom and God's relationship. That they are talking with Jesus positions him as some kind of successor, standing in the line of that tradition of authority and wisdom on behalf of God. And the voice of God that comes next that mirrors the voice to Jesus at his baptism, will kind of reinforce that, declaring that Jesus is now the one who should be listened to. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Another connection with Jewish tradition can be found in the glowing clothes. Now, depending on the translation of the Bible that you are reading, uh, it may say that they became dazzling white such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. That more traditional reading makes a very neat link to the beginning of the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, which talks about the dazzling appearance of God who comes in the end time to judge the earth. Not that the parallels with Jewish uh, history end there. There is the appearance of a cloud. And this is going to sound familiar to those early readers as a symbol of the presence of God. We read that the cloud overshadowed for example, the mountain top on which Moses met with God, or overshadowed the tent of meeting in Exodus, or the temple, filling it with God's glory in the second book of Kings. In the ancient world, a cloud is a, a powerful symbol for a society where water and rain and shade bring life and hope for a harvest, sustenance and provision. And then it is in this story that Peter wants to build tents, or in another translation, which is more helpful, booths. Now there are two understandings that present themselves here. The more traditional is that these are sukkah, from the traditional festival of booths. 
In this festival, which we might think of a bit as a harvest festival, families would build booths in which to sleep and eat and celebrate, and would decorate them with the riches of the harvest. Now, that's a symbol of fertility originating with Canaanite religion, but it's also a festival about the end times, the harvest of God. And perhaps Peter interprets that that's what he's experiencing, this this moment of God's revelation as an end time, the final revelation of God, and Peter thinks this is an appropriate way to act. The more common interpretation that I always feel, at least, when I read this, is that very human desire to hold on to the religious mountaintop experience, to own it and make it permanent. But of course we know that mountaintop experiences uh, may be things that motivate our faith, keep us going, from which we draw our inspiration and strength, but they're not for most of us the day-to-day reality of faith lived in God's world. Jesus too will walk down this mountainside, not into a blissful state of heavenly glory, but into a story of conflict, healing a sick child, meeting a distraught parent, for confused disciples. And for people of faith, these two realities cannot be separated. Heaven is revealed on earth in the person of Jesus, but that is the beginning of the story, not the end. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we worship you for those mountaintop experiences in our lives where you reveal yourself to us, for the beauty of nature, the joy of loved ones, the peace we may find in prayer, the power of your spirit, the beauty of music, and that sense of your heartbeat. May we make booths in our heart and carry your presence with us into the day-to-day living which lies before us, so that in good times and difficult times you would be present, changing, challenging, motivating, healing and loving in us and through us. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Go safely. And God bless you.